Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top, of the page for online edition, you'll see the drop-down, third, third entry on the drop-down is read A-C-I-M-O-E. On that same drop-down menu, there's also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in uh, Chapter 1, Section 1, Principles of Miracles. Today we'll read through uh, Principles 44 through 49, that being paragraph 71 through 81. And at the top of the hour, we will pause for touching in practice of our lesson for the day, lesson number eight. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. Okay, well, this is one of my favorite parts of the day here. I'm going to turn to you, Lori, and ask, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for the call? I do, Lori. Uh, I may have shared this poem earlier. You're a little faint. There we go. I am? Okay, let me uh, increase my volume. Pardon me. Oh, dear, that was loud. Is that better? Um, um, yes. Yeah, sound good. Okay. I may have shared this poem before. I think I did. But it is still just absolutely perfect for today. In the book of the heart from Meister Eckhart is this poem called Room to Grow. What if I said this poem every day? My life is like a page on which so much is already written. Hurts and joys and the tumble of fears and uncertainties. What you want of me, God, is that I clean the slate, emptying it of all this to make room for the freedom of nothingness, where you alone, my God, have room to grow. My mind is preoccupied with Thoughts. Amen. I love that. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Laurie. It was beautiful. Thanks, guys. Oh, I see my problem. I'm bouncing back and forth between Wi-Fi and cell. I'll try and fix it.
Okay. Well, um, thank you, Lori. Right, I have today on the list. I have with us in reading. I have Lori, Fran, Harrison, Jennifer, Robin, Marie, and Lana. And with us in listening, I have Judy. Is there anyone else who's joined the call? Like to be on the reading list or just say good morning? Okay. There's no one else. I will go ahead and get us started then. In Chapter 1, Section 1, Principles of Miracles, starting further down, Miracle Principle 44. Miracles arise from a miraculous state of mind. By being one, this state of mind goes out to anyone even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations with their creator. And Lori. Uh, miracle Principle 44. Miracles arise from a miraculous state of mind. By being one, this state of mind goes out to anyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations with their creator. And Miracle Principle 45 the miracle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his atonement. The mind is then in a state of grace and naturally becomes gracious both to the host within and the stranger without. By bringing in the stranger, he becomes your brother. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori and Fran. Miracle Principle 45. The miracle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his atonement. The mind is then in a state of grace and naturally becomes gracious both to the host within and the stranger without. By bringing in the stranger, he becomes your brother. Miracle Principle 46. A miracle is never lost. It touches many people you do not even know and sometimes produces undreamed of changes in forces of which you are not even aware. That is not your concern. The miracle will always bless you. Thank you, friend. And Harrison. Miracle Principle 46, a miracle is never lost. It 
touches many people you do not even know and sometimes produces undreamed of changes and forces of which you are not even aware. That is not your concern. The miracle will always bless you. 74. Miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. They are still expressions of your own state of grace. But the action aspect of the miracle should be Christ-controlled because of his complete awareness of the whole plan. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only Christ is in a position to know that grace can be bestowed. Thank you, Harrison and Jennifer. The miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. They are still expressions of your own state of grace. But the action aspect of the miracle should be Christ-controlled because of his complete awareness of the whole plan. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only Christ is in a position to know where grace can be bestowed. Miracle 47. Miracle-mindedness means miracle readiness. Readiness means that you should always keep your perceptions straight so that, you, so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. These are, these are the essentials for, quote, listen, learn, and do, unquote. You must be ready to listen, willing, willing to learn, and able to do. Only the last is involuntary because it is the application of miracles which must be capital C Christ control. The other two, which are the voluntary aspects of miracle-mindedness, are up to you. Thank you, Jennifer and Robin Murray. Miracle principle number 47. Miracle-mindedness means miracle readiness. Readiness means 
that you should always keep your perceptions straight so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. These are the essentials for, quote, listen, learn, and do, unquote. You must be ready to listen, willing to learn, and able to do. Only the last is involuntary because it is the application of miracles which must be Christ-controlled. The other two, which are are the voluntary aspects of miracle-mindedness, are up to you. 48. Awe is an inappropriate response to miracles. Thank you, Robin Murray and Lana. Okay. Miracle Principle 48. Awe is an inappropriate response to miracles. Paragraph 7B7. Revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. All should be reserved for revelation to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. It is not appropriate for miracles because a state of awe is worshipful. It implies that one of a lesser order stands before a greater one. This is the case only when a soul stands before its creator. Souls are perfect creations and experience awe only in the presence of the creator of perfection. Thank you, Lana. And is there a new reader for paragraphs 77 and 78? I'll read. Um, hello? Okay, Diana. Okay. 77, paragraph 77. Revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. Awe should be reserved for revelation, to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. It is not appropriate for miracles because the sense of awe is worshipful. It implies that one of a lesser order stands before a greater one. This is the case only when a soul stands before its creator. Souls are perfect creations and experience awe only in the presence of the creator of perfection. 78. The miracle, on the other hand, is a sign of love among equals. Equals cannot be in awe of one another because awe implies inequality. It is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. An elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and a reasonable amount of obedience for his greater wisdom. He is 
also entitled to love because he is a brother and also to devotion if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. There is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The main difference between us as yet is that I have nothing else. This leaves me in a state of true holiness, which is only a potential in you. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And is there another new reader for 78-79? Within principle 48? Another new reader? Okay, uh, back to you, Lori. Paragraph 78. The miracle, uh, as opposed to revelation, is a sign of love among equals. Equals cannot be an awe of one another because awe implies inequality. It is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. An elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and a reasonable amount of obedience for his greater wisdom. He is also entitled to love because he is a brother and also to devotion if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. There is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The main difference between us as yet is that I have nothing else. This leaves me in a state of true holiness, which is only a potential in you. Quote, no man cometh unto the Father but my, but by me, end quote, is among the most misunderstood statements in the Bible. It does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you, except in time, which does not literally really exist at all. Actually, the quotation is more meaningful if it is considered on a vertical rather than a horizontal axis. Regarded along the vertical, man stands below me and I stand below God. In the process of quote-unquote, rising up, I am higher. This is because without me, the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. Thank you, Lori. And Fran. Paragraph 79. Quote, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Unquote is among the most understood statements in the Bible. It does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you except in time, which does not really exist at all. Actually, the quotation is more meaningful if it is considered on a vertical rather than a horizontal axis. Regarded along the vertical, 
man stands below me and I stand below God. In the process of, quote, unquote, rising up, I am higher. This is because without me, the distance between God and the man would be too great for you to encompass. 80. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to man on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship, which I can render complete only to the extent to which I can share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, quote, I and my father are one, unquote. But there are still separate parts in the statement in recognition that the father is greater. The original statement was, quote, are of one kind, unquote. The Holy Spirit is the bringer of revelations. Revelations are indirectly inspired by me because I am close to the Holy Spirit and alert to the revelation readiness of my brothers. I can thus bring down to them more than they can draw down to themselves. Thank you, Fran and Harrison. The distance as an outer brother. God, other to my brother, has placed me in charge of the sonship, which can render complete only to thee. Let me go back. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship, which I can render complete only to the extent to which I can share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, quote, I and my father are one, end quote. But there are still separate parts in the statement in recognition that the Father is greater. The original statement was, quote, are of one kind, unquote. The Holy Spirit is the bringer of revelations. Revelations are indirectly inspired by me by me because I'm close to the Holy Spirit and alert to the revelation readiness of my brothers. I can thus bring down to them more than they can draw down to themselves. Principle 49. The Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. Miracles do not involve this type of communication 
because they are temporary communication devices. When man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. The Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality. Thank you, Harrison. And Jennifer, would you conclude there with Principle 49? Okay, thank you, Lemoyne. Miracle Principle 49. The Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. Miracles do not involve this type of communication because they are temporary communication devices. When man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. The Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality. Thank you, Jennifer. So, um, I think we have enough time for the top of the hour to squeeze in another one paragraph at a time reading, if you'd like, or we can proceed to open the book. Yes, that would be wonderful. Oh, I'd like that. Thanks. You'd like to read again? I would, yeah. Um, okay. You too. Love it. Yeah, yes. that would be lovely. All right. Let me ask now, um, right off the top, is there's anyone who's who would like to join the reading list so we don't interrupt too much in the middle? Anyone who would like to join the reading list? Okay, that's fine. I think we'll carry on with the same order. Um, just start again. Uh, there's principle 44 um, with Robin Murray. 
Miracle Principle 44. Miracles, <clears throat> miracles arise from a miraculous state of mind. By being one, this state of mind goes out to anyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations with their creator. Thank you, Robin Marie. Lana? Okay, 45. Excuse me. The miracle is an expression of an inner awareness of Christ and the acceptance of his atonement. The mind is then in a state of grace and naturally becomes gracious both to the host within and the stranger without. By bringing in the stranger, he becomes your brother. Thank you, Lana. And Diana? Um, 46. A miracle is never lost. It touches many people who do not even know and sometimes produces undreamed of changes and forces of which you are not even aware. That is not your concern. The miracle will always bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And Lori? The miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. They are still expressions of your own state of grace, but the action aspect of the miracle should be Christ-controlled because of his complete awareness of the whole plan. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only Christ is in a position to know where grace can be bestowed. Thank you, Lori. And Fran. Miracle Principle 47. Miracle-mindedness means miracle readiness. Readiness means that you should always keep your perceptions straight so that you will always be ready, willing, and able. These are the essentials for, quote, listen, learn, and do, unquote. You must be ready to listen, willing to learn, and able to do. Only the last is involuntary because it is the application of miracles which must be Christ-controlled. The other two, which are the voluntary aspects of miracle-mindedness, are up to you. Thank you, Brian. Harrison. is an inappropriate response to miracles. Revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. All to be reserved for revelation to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. 
it is not appropriate for miracles because the state of awe is worshipful, worshipful. It implies that one of a lesser order stands before the greater one. This is the case only when a soul stands before its creator. Souls are perfect creations and experience all only in the presence of the creator of perfection. Thank you, Harrison. And Jennifer, 78. Okay, paragraph 78. The miracle, on the other hand, is a sign of love among equals. Equals cannot be in awe of one another because awe implies inequality. It is therefore an appropriate it is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. An elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and a reasonable amount of obedience for this greater wisdom. He is also entitled to love because he is a brother and also to devotion if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. There is nothing about me that you cannot attain. There's nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The main difference between us as yet is that I have nothing else. This leaves me in a state of true holiness, which is only a potential in you. Thank you, Jennifer. And Robin Marie. Seventy-nine. Quote, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, unquote, is among the most misunderstood statements in the Bible. It does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you, except in time, which does not really exist at all. Actually, the quotation is more meaningful if it is considered on a vertical rather than a horizontal axis. Regarded along the vertical, man stands below me, and I stand below God. In the process of, quote, rising up, unquote, I am higher. This is because without me, the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. Thank you, Robin Murray and Lana. 80. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to man on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship 
which I can render complete only to the extent to which I can share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, in quotes, I and my father are one, unquote, but there are still separate parts in the statement in recognition that the father is greater. The original statement was, in quotations, are of one kind. The Holy Spirit is the bringer of revelations. Revelations are indirectly inspired by me because I am close to the Holy Spirit and alert to the revelation readiness of my brothers. I can thus bring down to them more than they can draw down to themselves. Thank you, Lana and Diana. Are you on mute, Diana? Oh, my goodness. Okay, yes. Sorry about that. I've been reading away. All right. Uh, Number 49. The Holy Spirit is the highest communication medium. Miracles do not involve this type of communication because they are temporary communication devices. When man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. The Holy Spirit mediates higher to lower communication, keeping the direct channel from God to man open for revelation. Revelation is not reciprocal. It is always from God to man. The miracle is required because it involves equality. Thank you. Well, thank you, Diana. The miracle is reciprocal because it involves equality and puts me in mind of the other line here from 46. The miracle will always bless you. All right, and that worked out just perfectly. We're just a little tick beyond the top of the hour. So I ask you give your attention to Fran as she leads us in the lesson for the day. My mind is preoccupied. That's not. Thank you. Thank you. For you. Hi, everybody. Whoops. You done? You're good. You're good. I was just passing it on. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook where we have an introduction. And today we're on Lesson 8. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. So I shall read a paragraph from the introduction, then we'll go over to the lesson and do our five-minute practice. Some of the ideas you will find hard to believe, and others will seem quite startling. It does not matter. You are merely asked to apply them to what you see. 
You are not asked to judge them, nor even to believe them. You are asked only to use them. It is their use which will give them meaning to you and show you they are true. Remember only this. You need not believe them, you need not accept them, and you need not welcome them. Some of them you may actively resist. None of this will matter nor decrease their efficacy. But allow yourself to make no exceptions in applying the ideas the exercises contain. Whatever your reactions to the ideas may be, use them. Nothing more than this is required. We'll go over to the lesson. I'll read some from the lesson. Lesson 8. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. This idea is, of course, the reason why you see only the past. No one really sees anything. He sees only his thoughts projected outward. Your mind cannot grasp the presence, which is the only time there is. It therefore cannot understand time and cannot, in fact, understand anything. The only holy true thought one can hold about the past is that it is not here. To think about it at all is therefore to think about illusions. The purpose of the exercises for today is to begin to train your mind to recognize when it is not really thinking at all. While thoughtless quote-unquote ideas preoccupy your mind, the truth is blocked. The exercises for today should be done with eyes closed. This is because you actually cannot see anything, and it is easier to recognize that, no matter how vividly you may picture a thought, you are not seeing anything. Introduce the practice period by saying, I seem to be thinking about blank. The name each of you, the name each of your thoughts, specifically for example, I seem to be thinking about blank, about name of object, and about name of emotion, and so on, concluding at the end of the mind-searching period with, but my mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. This can be done four or five times during the day unless you find it irritates you. If you find it trying, three or more times are sufficient. You might find it helpful, however, to include your irritation or any emotion which the idea for today may induce in the mind searching itself. Lesson 8. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. Five minutes.
right? No, I'll just read the paragraph from the review of Lesson 8. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see only my own thoughts, and my mind is preoccupied with the past. What then can I see as it is? Let me remember that I look on the past to prevent the present from dawning on my mind. Let me understand that I am trying to use time against God. Let me learn to give the past away, realizing that in so doing, I am giving up nothing. Lesson 8. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you, Fran. That's beautiful. Thank you, guys. This lesson makes me aware that almost every thought I have is a past thought. That's what I love about the lessons. The lessons make you aware of your thinking. I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. This is Jennifer. The truth. (laughs) Thank you, Fran. Uh, This lesson... Um, and and Fran's share reminds me of that to not think um, is to really truly be with God. So I I want to be so present that I'm not holding thought. I'm just being. I'm complete. Oh, thank you. Perfect. Thank you. That is so so true, Jennifer. Thank you. Hi, it's Lana. Um, This lesson also reminds me um, that, you know, what I call the past uh, is the ego's whole entire information base and um, it has no other place to look for information it sees only the past so in this effect this can affect uh, my peace because if a situation arises or what I could define as a problem and I go looking in my mind for an answer I'll only see the past and how the effect of that can be that if I don't see an answer there, I will assume one does not exist. And I can, if I'm not mindful, I can um, fall into a state of hopelessness, thinking that there's no solution <laughs> to whatever the problem or situation is, because my mind sees only the past. So, um, and the miracle will bring back to my awareness that 
I have access to the infinite mind of God, which knows everything, what I call past, present, and future. So when I turn, when I redirect my focus and my attention and my awareness towards this present moment, and um, like you were saying, I think, Jennifer, in, in the stillness of mind, um, which is a state of no thought, when my focus is there, um, answers and solutions show up in unimagined ways because they they are they seem fresh and new and it's like aha moments because they're not part of the past they're um and it always comes in a way that um is that brings with it uh this certainty and this clarity and this peace and it's like gosh it's so obvious why didn't i think of that <laughs> and i could not have thought of it when i'm when i'm attached to an ego mentality because that ego mentality only sees the past and it wasn't available to me until i kind of do a u-turn in my mind and point it back to god and then and then it will come into my awareness but as long as i'm attached to trying to solve it myself as an ego i'll just go round and round it's what jesus means by seek and do not find you know it's exhausting it's um depressing <laughs> and um but just a stop just stop you know if i mind just stop thinking and i just be still and allow God to show me the answer allow God to do it for me you know it's it's not what I'm going to do it's what God's going to do if, he, if I get out of the way and allow him to bring that uh, truth and peaceful solution or answer to my confusion or or my whatever my predict predicament I believe my predicament is <laughs> so anyway I'm complete thank you thank you Lana thank you no, thank you Lana it was very clear thank so you so well thanks Lana that's it thank you Lana Rest in peace is hard to do when you're going crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Lana. What did he say about that, Judy? Rest in peace is for the living, not the dead. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites, but I said it's hard to do if you really get going in your craziness, you know, that um, I woke up this morning and, um, you know, it was snowing hard yesterday, it was blowing, and I was thinking about it, how I need to go shopping yesterday, and um, how am I going to clean up the car and shovel the driveway? My body aches so much, and in doing the lesson today, it, you know, I just woke up with all the same thoughts thinking the same thoughts over and over again. It's like, 
the futility of them and the use, uselessness of them was laughable, you know, and I was disturbing my own peace of mind, and I knew it. And, you know, a number of times yesterday I I restored myself to sanity and, you know, just being present and still and let's see what happens, you know, and... um the whole exercise of doing that lesson this morning was self-centered thinking. The hero, the person was about Judy, and the theme was in my own protection, my own self-satisfaction, and my own comfort. You know, it was like, bingo. I mean, how obvious can my thinking be to me? (laughs) And how my own thinking about my thinking about myself was misery-making, was the next thing that became really obvious to me. It was just useless, futile thinking that wasn't really constructive in any way, but it was attacking my peace, attacking my sanity, and attacking my true self. You know, it's like, really, Jude, you're going to do this to yourself? But this is what thinking does, and it happens every day. And I'm okay with it because I can see see through it clearly. See through how my own thinking makes me miserable, can make me, if I allow it. Or I can sit for a minute. And you know what? When I got up this morning and I started right in with the thinking about me, I may not be much, but not all I think about. <laughs> Which makes me laugh. The whole... Um, long and short of the story of it, you know, it's like by 8 o'clock I'm on a a, a beautiful conference call with people doing the lesson, lesson and I hadn't done the lesson yet, but I I had, you know, shoveled up my deck for starters and um, sat down to do the lesson with, you know, Reverend Pam's group, and I just, you know, I sank right into the peace and the joy and the limitless that's always available here and now in the present and that only I can deprive myself of, that only my thoughts can hurt me, that only I can crucify myself and make myself miserable. You know, I'm so glad someone said it on the call too this morning that we're not beginning at, at the beginning of the lessons. We've all done them time and time again and not to forget you know, that we have the holy instant just because we left it last week. You know? <laughs> Doesn't mean I have to forget it. The holy instant is always available every holy instant of the day. And, you know, I started to get ready to head out to, to do shopping because, you know, after after we got this nice sunny day today, I got a another storm coming into Maine tomorrow, um, which isn't going to make it so nice to go out tomorrow. So, let me go out today and I look out and um, my neighbor had shoveled my driveway and my front stairs. So, you know, and the whole time I was worrying about it, God was taking care of me, working through someone who was in loving kindness, considering me walking and struggling, you know. <laughs> so glory be, glory be. And... um you know, God loves us, and is the universe conspiring for our highest, our highest, highest good and happiness? And it's good to trust in that. Trusted in it last night, 
and um, woke up to, to find it's true this morning. Thank you. I am complete. Love hearing all your shares, and thank you for reading for me today. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you for sharing that, Judy. This is Robin Marie, and I was just thinking about my friend who's 87, and she was talking about, you know, not being able to go shopping. And I think that one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants us to do, because, you know, we're in connection, (laughs) is if the Spirit says, call somebody for help, (laughs) it's okay to do that. Our pride doesn't have to keep us uh, locked into thinking that we can do every single thing for ourselves. So, I don't know. It just popped into my head, so I wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you, Robert Murray. Thank really you, Robert. You know, that's a daily prayer for Jude. <laughs> Let me get out of my pride. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I'm complete. Good morning. This is Jennifer. Um, wow, this um, this read today and then the lesson for t- today, um, really, uh, I was using it actively. I mean, I'm human. I have feelings all throughout the day that I'm vertical, <laughs> right? And um, I'm starting to consider, look at, um, my feelings, especially the ones that are uncomfortable, for me it would be anger and um, anything can light up anger, it seems like, as I observe it in myself. And um, so I was looking at Miracle 46, I believe, which, no, Miracle 47. Miracle-mindedness really, really spoke to me. Um, And then also the lesson uh, today, um, looking at my thoughts and, and letting them go back to God. So whether the thought is of a person or an emotion, um, this is this is all of the past. Um, and being ready, so miracle uh, number 47, or miracle, oh gosh, what do you call these? <laughs> 47, being ready to listen. So I was, I was actively on this call this morning, ready to listen. And, and listen to what? I was, I was ready to listen to my soul. Uh, to the Holy Spirit um, and willing willing to learn about 
the uninvited or inviting the, the stranger, which is could be anything. It could be a person, um, an emotion. So I'm learning in the moment right now. So my anger is something that I've denied for years, and it's gotten me into a lot of trouble, denying my emotions. And when I deny them, um, I'm just storing them away, and um, I'm living my life on a tape instead of being striving towards present time and responding to any given moment with the presence of uh, listening, willing to learn, and able to do the next right action, which is all this is with my soul, with the Holy Spirit, with God. So in the um, practice period for the lesson for today, I noticed anger came up. I went, oh, there's anger. And I, and I, so I, did, I did it with the lesson, and then I, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is, this is miracle-mindedness principle and action. I was, <clears throat> I was like, okay, God, you're asking us to give you everything. Give, God says, give, us, give me everything, Jennifer. And that includes the anger or any given emotion that's stuck in the past from, you know, some belief system about myself that isn't true that really makes me angry or about others. You, you know, it could be, could be myself and others included, the mirror action going on there. So my goal is miracle this so I can release these emotions and belief systems so I can be <clears throat> in truth. And, and I really, you know, I'm, I'm learning that the Holy Spirit is the healer of the mind. And um, Jesus is the healer of the heart. And to clean up my mind, I'm, I'm really using all these lessons as we go along. Um, and I'm just so grateful to be able to share. Thank you, everyone. I'm complete. Thank you, Jennifer. What great application. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing that. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Really, bravo. Thank you. I was even thinking of when you said... Uh, letting it go, even the good, even the good things, it's okay. You can let everything go because God has something good. And if we're looking toward our future with a past good in mind, we might miss, we might miss the present good that's there. I don't know if I said that right, but anyway, thank you. Oh, you sure did, Robert Bree. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robert Marie. That was perfectly said, and thank you. That's the other end of it. Uh, thank yeah, you, Robert Marie. The good may interfere with the best. We don't even know what the best is. <laughs>
But if I'm ready for miracle-mindedness, we will find out together. I really think um, how important it is for me in redoing these lessons every year. I I really have a, a, a deepening of understanding how the Holy Spirit understands being a direct communication with the universal will of God, <coughs> learning in a, learning to understand what the universal will of perfect love and perfect peace is. I mean, it's it's the absolute truth, and you know how it's unequivocable and it's equally and evenly applied in in all times, in all places, in all situations. And, you know, the, the first half of the workbook is devoted to making us mindful of how the ego thought system operates. And it can be pretty slick and sneaky and tricky and very subtle and sublime in how it will undo um, try to undo my efforts to be restored. You know, it's the course speaks of it as you know the the fear of actually being released completely and totally of it. It's like so defends itself, and it's like you know not anything that we should get worked up about because it's simply a belief. But um, the the reverence and the and the uh, honor and the holiness of the of the words in the book and the and the lessons and what it teaches us is like just becoming so crystal clear and and the purity of it and the simplicity of it you know and it that it's not hard that no effort really is required that that the holy spirit does the work in my mind and you know like Jennifer you share that the christ in me does the work in my heart on a thinking and an emotional level. It undoes me from the attachment to the fears that I have in my mind and the fears that I have in my body. And it's really a beautiful process. And just coming, I really feel, to the end of the journey, you know, like really, really letting go of everything, giving everything to God, totally, completely, commending my heart, mind, and soul, and um, purify me, you know, just the only way he can is if I give it all to him. <laughs> Here I have it. <laughs> I don't have any use for it. <laughs> because when I get up on a morning like this morning and, I, and I, I look at how my mind works and I go, this mind is really useless. It really is useless to me. And um, so ergo, um, I am responsible for how I think and responsible for my feelings and what I will experience and and what is my goal today. And my goal is to awaken from this dream because um, God tells me it's a dream. And what I'm waking up to in its entirety and its totality, I don't know, but I have a feeling it's really, 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 really good. (laughs) Ergo, there I go. Thanks. I'm complete. Hi, this is Diana. That's great. Um, thank you, Judy. I appreciate your share. Um, 
I um I guess I'm troubled by lesson eight because I think to I'm hearing one thing, you know, oh let it go, abuse didn't happen, rape didn't happen, murder didn't happen. When it happened to people, um it seems it just doesn't seem without talking about it in therapy or using you know, as the uh, book says, if if you have a problem to whatever medicine is current um, is the right medicine, that there are other avenues to go to. Uh, I was, I, I attend a Course in Miracles um, session on Sunday, and I, I want to, I'm, you know, I'm, I have to say this lesson kind of described in a little way. I'm saying I don't know anything. I really don't. But I, I know a lot more than these beginners in the class, you know, and, and cert, certain things that come up that are so clear to me, I go, oh, well, here, let me share, you know, share something about that. And, and I feel, you know, that I, you know, I'm, I'm helping now, I'm seeing a different way because this book can be a bit complex, you know, with the way it's written. But then when I'm reading this lesson. I, I read it over the weekend, and um, then I had a woman yesterday come up to me um, after class and said, look, I don't share a lot, but I really look forward to your share. She said, I'm, I'm having trouble, and she had brought up an incident to me that she can't let go of and wanted to know, you know, what my opinion was on that and how how to do that. And really, I, you know, I advise seeing somebody about it, you know, and but how do you really release, I guess, you know, is a question I was troubled with last night when things come up that are stored in your past because they happen and they're real and you go about your day and then something happens, maybe you know, it's triggered back by something you're watching on TV or something comes up and you're right back in it, you know. And I don't want to pretend that it, things didn't happen because I, I went through my own, you know, abuse growing up um, in, in my household. Uh, I don't know. I, it seems like, you know, on this game board of life, I take a couple steps back when... I don't even know how to get through this. You know, I'm 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 reading the, the lesson. You know, and I seem to be thinking about well, you know, you know, it could be a past abuse, and I really feel like I've let that go. I don't have any trouble with it anymore. And so when I read a lesson like this, and then it, it resurfaces, and I thought, well, have I? I don't know. It happened. Was it fair? No. You know, I was supposed to be protected. And anyway, things like this come up, and they kind of trip me up when I think I'm free, and then I realize maybe I'm not. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling. But this is something that... that um, um, I'm, I'm really having trouble with. I'm complete. Thank you for sharing that, Diane. Thank you, Diane. This Thank is you. Ida. Thank you, Diane. Um, 
my friend Clint says that everybody on the planet has trauma. And as we know from the lesson today, trauma is always from the past. And the Course says it didn't happen, and it didn't happen the way you remembered it. <laughs> and that goes for me too. And, uh, but, so, I'm currently not able to just be in the real world all the time. So I do things. So I probably shared before on this call, like I use flower essences. Like, for instance, one that I'm about to buy is called Restoring Divine Order. And also another one is All Ego Contracts Null and Void. And I simply muscle tested to find out which ones. And um, uh, they're not that expensive. Like a half ounce bottle is just nine fifty for that that company, Greenhold Farms. But just for instance, you know, I've been using them since the eighties, and uh, I can help you find them if you want. Um, so, um, and I don't charge for that. I'm just doing that to help people that um, want help in that direction. You know, so that's just one thing I do um, that I just wanted to share that could be helpful. It's always been helpful for me. Thank you. It's good to be with you today. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. I, I am interested in hearing, you know, Anything that can get me out and back in line with God, because uh, I trust him and I love him. I fall in love with him every morning, you know, and I know there's nothing but God here, and I feel, you know, divinely inspired and, and in the right place. But then things like this happen, and then I, and I am human, and I did have, you know, the experience of abuse, and I can't just say when these feelings come up to bury them because they're real and I don't want to ignore them because they can become they can be blocks and that and and that certainly I don't want to close myself down to divine order. I want to be of service to other people that have experienced this. I understand that our experiences have to be shared to help others out of their you know, shadow it back into the light. And, you know, uh, any of the past that you bring forward just triggers it again. So, Sure. So, Um, Lori has my number. Sorry, Lori. I I was just saying, Lori has my number, you know, if you want to call me. Thanks. Good morning, Diana. This is Jennifer. Um, so uh, one thing that I do is um, breathe. Um, I'm noticing an old trauma, anxiety, something come up, 
an ego attack, so to speak, um, I, I have to just slow down, get out of my thinking and into my breathing. So I breathe like four counts in, hold it, and then I breathe out through my mouth four counts, hold it. I'll do that three, di- three times just to get myself back, snap back into the moment. Because that's where your that's where your power is with God is in presence. The trauma is trying to feel your presence, but it's also uh, wanting to be welcomed and then released back to God. So, again, I, I just go back to our lesson today and um, and the miracle minus the principles. Forgive me, and just um being willing to try new tools and the breathing really, really snaps me back into presence. Also, to focus my attention on, um, on my body, my surroundings, opposed to what I'm thinking. That's another way, tool, uh, and, and if I'm open in miracle-mindedness, that might be useful as well. I'm complete. Thank you, oh, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, this is Lana. You, um, uh, one of the, if I'm, you know, if I'm truly honest with myself, um, I can look at any trauma or abuse or any um, upsetting event that happens that happened in my life. And my natural, let me put it this way, our natural self, our, the self we are as God created us. When um, Jesus tells us in the Course to join him in his inability to tolerate lack of love, and that's where the pain comes in. Our natural self, our real self, cannot tolerate lack of love. Lack of love in anything will cause a fearful reaction to, in us because lack of love is not in harmony with our true being. So I don't have to get into any more specifics about an event other than to notice that it was it it lacked love there was a lack of love so um, my guidance from Jesus is where there seems to be no love we bring love to it and and love becomes the remedy for anything appearing or showing up in our life that is unlike love that is unlike itself so love is the remedy for lack of love and and um, we get to that through forgiveness where that shift in perception um, clicks in our mind and we remember love we remember that anything real um, is love has is its component is love and that's the whole ball of wax he 
tells us that there's only two emotions, love and fear. So that's real. I'm sorry, they're, they're doing construction outside. Um, so that's the only thing I need to address is a lack of love in my experience. And, and, and Jesus also talks about not only in A Course in Miracles, but in A Course of Love, the language of love. And the language of love is, cannot be understood by any native human language in the world. It's completely different, and that's the reason we have miracles and revelations, uh, because in truth, there's only love. So in truth, the way we communicate as children of God is through the expression, the extension, and the sharing of love. That's true communication as God intended it. You know, it's, there's nothing to get. There's nothing lacking. Um, and if we experience lack of love or anything unlike love, it's just a call for love. That's all it's asking us. And it will take the meaning we have given things because anything that happens will affect us or upset us to the extent of the meaning we've given it. So when we give meaning to meaningless things, to things that aren't um, in harmony with our true self, you know, it's like pouring fuel onto a fire. We just strengthen it. So, um, so it's a return to love. The whole Course in Miracles for me is training my mind to return to love. It's about the return to and the recognition of my natural, authentic self. And when I make that as my goal, um, I don't care whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. Love will heal it, and I get love. Um, and I find that love um, here and now in the present moment. You know, it's like that Jesus says in the air text, the only thing to do with the desert is to leave. So we leave our thinking mind and come back to that stillness in the present moment and empty ourselves. We're just emptying ourselves of everything that is not love. So love can, there's a space for love to fill up our mind and heal it. Um, anyway, <laughs> I guess I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, that was so great, Lana. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lon. Thank you. I love it. It, this it is, is Jennifer. <laughs> Sorry, Lori. But I just wanted to, to say in there again how wonderful the goal is to not think. That is the direction now to be in communion with God and give God everything that comes up and then go back to not thinking, being, being with God. I'm complete. 
Yeah, that's a bingo. That's it right there in a nutshell. Think no more. (laughs) Boy, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm glad you brought this up, Diana, the difference between illusions and um, and what I think really happened. It's, I think, a particularly um, cruel thing to say what you think happened didn't really happen uh, to someone whose past included trauma or terrible sickness or uh, death or or anything any of the things that we're frightened of um, and and Lee said one time <clears throat> that um, it's never helpful to go around pointing at objects and say this is real and that's illusion this is real that's illusion uh, we kind of miss the point <clears throat> you know and and that isn't the point and, and Lana, your share was particularly helpful um, in bringing the mind to what's going on right now. And I heard you say the word meaning. And that's where um, lesson two and three, Diana, can be really helpful in what you're talking about here. Um, the, the healing of my mind uh, that's represented in accepting the atonement of Christ is um, it confers it confers a wholeness to me that I'd been unaware of because of the meanings I had attached to events and people in my life. <clears throat> I've given everything I see, all the meaning that it has for me, um, is very, very useful when it comes to um, how to interpret an event like that. <clears throat> and, and the healing of the mind, you know, uh, is, is exactly that inability to tolerate a lack of love, all pain comes from an inability to tolerate a lack of love. And part of that inability to tolerate um, is built up upon the meanings I give to things. In other words, if I've given terrible meanings to an event, um, I'm going to create a situation where I certainly can't see love and I can't tolerate it. That's why releasing the meanings that I've given is my key to escape. Because to release the meaning that I've given is the same as to forgive. You see? <clears throat> how, how does that work? Well, to forgive, he starts out with 
what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. That doesn't mean that the event didn't occur, but what didn't occur is all the meanings that I gave that event. I'm not destroyed. I'm not uh, contaminated. I'm not uh, all these other meanings that are associated with trauma. I'm still here. I'm as I was created. And what I thought my brother did to me has not occurred. He has not changed me. This event has not changed me. This trauma has not changed me. Nothing has changed my perfection. The love that I am or the love in which I was created. You see? And and so that's where lesson two and three get really, really, really helpful in how to interpret events. The other thing I want to say about events is um, as I go along, it turns out life is very kind. Life is so kind that events that occur in my circumstance, when I truly understand them, are opportunities for me to release something that I mistakenly believed or mistakenly thought or mistakenly interpreted, uh, whatever that may be. When I correctly understand something that I seem to be withdrawing from or retracting from or um, somehow not feeling myself in the presence of, that's an opportunity for um, a little tiny splinter. You see, we have these little tiny splinters in the subconscious, little teeny bits of meaning that are attached to things. But life is so kind that it will present to me in these these places where I want to retract or withdraw. That's the kindness of life, giving me an opportunity to have another look, to have another question to have another, I don't know what this means. Um, and every time I do that and release this little tiny splinter of belief or self-concept or um, interpretation, every time I do that, I feel more complete. And the marvelous thing about these little splinters is once I release what they seem to be attached to, I'm made more complete. I feel myself more whole. I feel more restored. I feel more loving. I feel more able to embrace my circumstances. I feel more in touch with my higher mind. You see? Um, And that's the kindness of life. Um, The kindness of the Holy Spirit. the, The blessing that's conferred and the opportunities I'm given to forgive. Um, because I'm always reminded I have not changed my my true self. Nothing can change my true self. And um, and once I realized that these little places I want to retract from or withdraw from or or push away, you know, are really forgiveness opportunities. I come to embrace them. And recognize the kindness of life and and my own uh, completion and my own ability to love my circumstances and everything that are included in them you know um, 
And, and I wanted to say uh, in that regard that, you know, in that paragraph where he says um, the Holy Spirit is the, is the highest communication medium, miracles do not involve this type of communication because they're temporary. When man returns to original form of communication with God, I'm reading in paragraph 40, paragraph 81, miracle principle 89, or 49, when man returns to his original form of communication with God, the need for miracles is over. Um, when, when my mind is healed, my need for miracles to restore my truth is over. However, however, the Holy Spirit being the highest form of communication and the direct channel um, still will give me opportunities to embrace my brother in a way that is miraculous to my brother's mind. You see? Um, and this is how these little tiny splinters are kindness. They restore me to wholeness. And at the same time in this wholeness, I join with or embrace or share this moment with the brother in a way that's miraculous to my brother's awareness uh, or state of mind, you see? And so my need for miracles might be over, but gee whiz, golly, God's going to give me lots of opportunities to share that love with creation, you know? And in, in the doing of that, more love more love is experienced, just in the same way that he says more love, um, when I share it with a brother, brings more love to my own awareness. You know, they always bless me. I don't need them, maybe, because I'm talking to the Holy Spirit, but I am joyfully embracing every opportunity uh, that life's kindness gives to me. Um, because when I embrace a brother and and release my fear of that embrace, the little tiny splinter that might have uh, kept me from awareness of that love is also released. And it doesn't come up again. These little tiny splinters of, of you know, I don't like poverty. These little tiny splinters of, oh, gee, what is that sloppy? Or uh, you know, all of these judgments that, that pollute awareness, you know. Um, when I release them, they're gone. They don't come back, you know. Um, so anyway, that's what I wanted to say about um, about life and its kindness. I'm complete. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Oh, that was beautiful, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. That was seamless. Yeah, thank you, Laurie. I have to. I have to listen to this a few more times because um, I think you're right. It's. It's. All of these things that happen to us allow us to restore ourselves back to divine order through opportunities to forgive. And I, I think in, you know, like the Casey Anthony story or things that, that you had hard to wrap my head around, you know, when there is direct abuse and trauma 
that 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 has happened to an innocent to an innocent victim in these particular cases where her life was taken from her, you know, and she had nothing to do with that. You know, she couldn't have been more perfect in her youth and her, you know, and and being closer to God that as we age, none of us can attach to until we do the work. It's those kind of things, these little traumas in our lives that come up that we wonder, wait a minute, they're getting away with that. I had nothing to do with that, you know, but then I'm just trying to assemble and put all this together so I can be of service to people like that woman that came to me and want to understand this. And, Lori, you really were, you know, you know, opened a big door to all of this. So thank you. The wish to see Thank you. Diana, the wish to see you calls down the grace of God upon your eyes and brings the gift of light that makes sight possible. You know, when I say I don't know, I am expressing that wish to see and I will um in kind release the idea. Somebody you said somebody's getting away with something. Well that's that's an idea. You know, and I don't need to hold that idea. It's not mine to hold. Uh, someone else's. The universe is so kindly caring for itself. I, I don't need to worry about that. You know, uh, there's an idea I don't need. Oh, gee, thanks. You know. So anyway, thank you, my dear. I'm complete. That was great advice, Lori. Thank you. I could feel it. And when we see, we can do things to help ourselves and others by that sight, by that vision of the real world where everybody is loving. And it's called the real world because it really does exist. But it doesn't exist with our physical eyes. We don't see it necessarily. Maybe one day we will. But we can see it even now through our vision to our spiritual eye, our third eye, or whatever you like to call it, you know. And when we have those holy instants, uh, we pursue that vision. When we have the miracles, um, we start to manifest that vision. Thank you. I'm complete. Well said, Ida. Very well said. Yeah, well, thank you, Lori, for turning to forgiveness. And with goal, I was looking at the first 50 lessons. And, uh, yeah, the word see is all over, especially... Well, I mean, it's... It's in there before then, but especially 
20 on. I am determined to see 21. I am determined to see things different. <clears throat> and I think, you know, this is, you know, it is a complete reversal of a thought system to lay down you know, all past interpretations. And then, you know, only be willing to pick up the ones that align with uh, miracle-mindedness so remaining in the state of grace. Anyway, before I get carried away or go on and head towards the closing of the recording, let me ask if there anyone else would like to share before we do that. Or I did. Okay. Well I I'm yeah. I have I have to start with paragraph two from the lesson where it says the only holy meaning completely true thought that one can hold about the past is that it is not here. I mean this is the definition of the past. So I I don't think the Course says that nothing ever happened. Yeah. I think what it actually is saying that we're looking, always looking at things through the lens of what we think. The meaning is of the things that have happened to us and and the the rest of the paragraph or that paragraph and the next two and three in the lesson are saying what actually happens when we think about the past it's in terms of our own interpretation of it that is that was uh, you know these these really affective or very effective at being affective incidents like trauma or abuse or severe accident, injury, loss, uh, whether of significant items or security or a loved one, that those to dwell on those in the past as a, as an injury is to think of the self alone, right? That, and it says to think about the past at all is therefore to think about illusions. And he says very few minds have realized what's actually entailed in picturing the past or in it future. The mind is actually blank when it does this because it's not really thinking about anything. You know, what is real 
is eternal. And therefore, is always present. It was present in these. It was actually present, but perhaps completely lost. Doesn't mean it's not there, it just means it's lost in these past incidents that affect us so much. <clears throat> and, you know, I think to to get caught on them, you know, it's quote normal, unquote. It's it's usual, it's human. That's why we have things like this course intercession because otherwise we'd just be lost and stay that way. And uh yeah, so I mean if you think about the worst incidents that happen, you can always look at it and see somebody trying to join, trying to heal the separation, you know, get out of this intensity or insanity of the separation through taking acts in form that will because they're heedless and miscreative they're always you know based on the fear appear to make the fear real and usually backfire right um but, you know, what the Course suggests is that all these are lessons that God would have us learn. That, you know, the person who is trying to heal their sense of separation in <clears throat> intensely individual bike creating effects in form to try and get some sense of reality that they are you know that the acts taken without love it's not that they don't happen it's that they don't really affect the reality that's there And, uh, yeah, what he's, what he's asking, or what he says, that, uh, you know, it, with this lesson, it's like if it really gets to you, don't do it too much, right? Because the point is not to recreate the suffering. The point is to understand that I'm, I, in my case, it, I can trace almost everything goes right back to shame. Some kind of form of shame that I'm anticipating. So I'll do this to try and avoid it. And it's like, yeah, or why am I dwelling on that? Because I fear it's going to go bad. I'll be, I'll be, um, shamed and expelled from the group. Right? So it's, a fear of more loss of separ uh, of the kind that could just clearly be called the separation. <clears throat> so I think for the purpose of this lesson is lesson eight, 
is just to get us to understand that behind a lot of the thought and the, that seem to shape our actions is some preoccupation, some stuck thought of the past. And what he asks us is the purpose here, what he says, is to begin to train your mind to recognize when it's not really thinking at all. You know, while thoughtless, quote-unquote, ideas preoccupy your mind, the truth is blocked. Recognizing that your mind has been merely blank rather than believing that it is filled with real ideas is the first step to opening the way to vision. And, you know, it's, it's not the... It's not to say that these uh, intensely personal um, kind of individuating in separation experiences um, that the that whatever happened didn't happen is just that all the meaning that we took away from it is only you know recreating the feelings that we. We couldn't handle it at the time. And, uh, you know, really the the request here, <laughs> and it does go back to what Lori said. You always have to be willing, you know, when you find these things, to forgive ourselves for even having this kind of thing. Otherwise, um, but just end up in deeper self-judgment. And that is certainly not the point. <laughs> the point is the restoral of the state of grace, which is real and is eternal. And so, you know, really what he asks us to do is to say, oh, look at that, I'm hung up on the past. And to understand that I'm thinking about my individual personal past alone, what I see of someone else affects me deeply, whatever that is. That this this intense intensely personal thing of negativity is just the mind fritzing out and uh and it must entail some kind of withdrawal from the grace that would say you know, that past is gone. It can touch me not. Anyway, I claim any perfection about it. When I practice this, I keep coming around to the same kind of stuck thought. And uh, at least I know I don't want it anymore. So I'm willing to let it go. And uh, <coughs> on that um, I'm complete. And I'm recording. Not to call. Oh, thank you, Lemoyne. I thank loved you, every Lemoyne. bit of that, Lemoyne. I did thank too. you so much. Well, thank you all for being here, listening, reading, and let's go. Oh.
Oops. Oops. <laughs>